Hi, this is my dad's podcast, Power Time. What's up, Power Player? Welcome back to the Power Time Podcast. This is an audio program for gamers of all ages. My name is Tom Tate. I will be your host and guide, taking you on a journey through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power Magazine at a time. Join me as we travel back in time to soak in the magazine, the memories, the music, and most importantly, all those amazing games from the NES and SNES days. So we're going to flash back now to July of 1991. We were in the middle of summer, but we're not in the middle of summer now in Eastern PA where I live. We just got past, I think they were calling it a bomb cyclone storm, really ridiculous sub zero degree temperatures, uh, starting to warm up a little bit, but we're going to go back to July, 1991. Things were heating up. Maybe the weather was heating up, maybe not where you were from, but anticipation for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System was definitely heating up. And if you haven't checked out the last episode of Power Time, I did a quick interview with Chris Johnston of the Player One podcast, and he was sharing with me his experience of checking out the SNES reveal in advance uh, before anyone in the United States was able to see it at the Summer CES show in Chicago. And it's a really great interview, so definitely check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, But other things that were going on back in this day, outside of video games, if you were old enough to enjoy it, dominating the box office in July of this year was Terminator 2. I was not. I was not old enough to go see this film. Uh, I've seen it many, many times now. It is a true 90s classic. Definitely influenced future action films, and it certainly had an influence on future video games as well. So Terminator 2, dominating the box office. Some hot tracks, if you were driving around from the Billboard 100, Rush Rush by Paula Abdul. I don't think I remember that song. I'm sure I would if I heard it. Unbelievable by EMF. Of course, everyone knows that song. Uh, But then at the end of the month, at the end of July, Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. I'm not going to sing this song for you. I'm going to do you a major service by not singing this. But if you don't have it in your mind right now and you want to Google it or check it out on YouTube, I'm sure you've heard the song hundreds and hundreds of times. It topped the charts and it stayed there for seven whopping weeks. And this is relevant because this is the smash hit from the soundtrack to Robin Hood starring Kevin Costner. And the featured game on this month's cover of Nintendo Power happens to be based on that film. So let's jump right in. We're going to check out this awesome cover. So gracing the cover of volume 26, the July 1991 issue of Nintendo Power is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, hit movie, hot game. Except we don't see Kevin Costner. He is nowhere to be found on this cover. We see an illustration of Robin Hood riding a white horse. He has his signature bow and uh, quiver of arrows strapped to his back. He has a knife around his belt. Very cool looking character, except we only see his back. We do not see his face. And we'll talk more about that later on in this episode. He's riding into a town in the forest, uh, presumably the Sherwood Forest uh, from the film, uh, from the Robin Hood lore. And uh, there's some villagers. There's a 
a house off in the distance. It's a nice, colorful-looking color. Uh, we have Game Boy, Altered Space, Roger Rabbit, and then we have a call-out here for a contest. Win a trip to pick up your Super NES. Sounds very, very exciting. Uh, again, very uh, lush green colors on this cover. You can check it out at powertimepodcast.com slash 26. I'll have an image there that you can see, or you can check it out in the show notes. Uh, and still $3.50 in the United States, four fifty dollars in Canada. The source for news and strategies straight from the pros and the official Nintendo seal of quality is on this cover as well. Turning the page, we have Powerline. This is kind of the editor's preview of the issue. We're going to learn more about the Super NES, this time with a focus on software, including uh, one side of the pull-out poster of this issue is going to showcase screenshots of actual games. So we're going to see much more of the games that will be on the Super Nintendo. The featured story here is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, based on the movie. We're also going to hear about Rockin' Cats, based on a cartoon. We're going to hear about Little Mermaid, based on a Disney movie. Game Boy version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, also based on characters from a movie, which were based on characters from other movies and TV shows. Uh, we have a cool feature on InfoGenius, a series of productivity game packs for the Game Boy. A really interesting, innovative stuff. We'll talk about uh, those. Other things in this issue, Bill and Ted's excellent video game adventure. Uh, and that happens to be based on a movie. So this appears to be Nintendo's third-party, maybe calm before the SNES storm, it seems. I'm not sure, but a lot of these properties and titles, they're based on other things. Uh, so this might be a pretty quick episode, unless we want to talk a lot about Bill and Ted. We'll see. Lots of games based on existing multimedia franchises, but some of them are great. Some of them not so great. We're going to pick them apart in this episode. So without delay, let's check out this issue's featured game. Let's talk about Robin Hood. Action, role-playing, drama, swordplay. A video game to match the movie hit. Warner Brothers' summer production of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is wowing movie audiences with great sets, costumes, and a new telling of the famous Robin Hood legend. Virgin Games Incorporated plans to follow up the movie with a video game as action-packed as the film. Even though the actual actors and actresses' likenesses are not in the game, it does follow the script almost scene for scene. And while the game has plenty of great action and excitement, what really stands out is the way the story unfolds clearly and logically. It's almost like you're in the movie. This is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So let's take a closer look and see if it really feels like you're in the movie. I think it's interesting that they have to call out that the actors and actresses' likenesses are not in the game. It's most likely why the uh, image of Kevin Costner is not on the cover of Nintendo Power. They just couldn't get the rights. It wasn't baked in uh, to this game deal. So Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, according to the Game Pack data box, it received a 3.2 graphic in graphics and sound, 3.0 in play control, 4.1 in challenge and excitement, and 4.3 in theme and fun. So pretty average, uh, a little bit above average, but typically what we see uh, for featured games, actually maybe a little lower than usual for a featured game, something that's on the cover of Nintendo Power, uh, but not a bad score uh, by any means. 
According to Nintendo Power, there are three gameplay mechanics in Robin Hood. There's the standard gameplay, which is an overhead view, but there's also a dueling mode, a, a one versus one dueling mode, and a melee mode. The dueling mode is for side view battles, and the melee mode is kind of like an overhead view, displaying battles between two groups of characters. So you have Robin's band of thieves, and then you have larger enemy hordes that you take on. I'm not sure if this is like a real-time strategy style of gameplay. We'll read ahead and find out what the actual melee mode entails. Nintendo Power also mentions that the game has some PC gaming slash RPG elements, like the ability to select commands. So you can select certain commands, talk, look, take, search. Uh, These are very familiar to PC gamers who were doing point-and-click adventures uh, and then also RPG players as well. And then also exit, so you can exit out of a conversation or an action. The game opens up in an Arab dungeon during the 12th century. You're immediately introduced to the three gameplay modes that I talked about earlier within this very intro to the game. Uh, You'll have a melee battle battle with Arab guards, and then you'll have a one-on-one duel with the final jailer in in the prison. The note here is your best bet in any duel is to use hit and run tactics. Be sure to search the jailer after you defeat him. So we have some tips and tricks to get past the first section of the game. After you escape the prison, you'll return to Loxley Castle and other locations like Dubois Manor, Sherwood Forest. There's a church in this game. I think you have to interrupt a wedding and various camps and castles. So a lot of the similar scenery that you would expect in a Robin Hood game. Many of the scenes taking place in the movie, of course. Uh, There's a segment here that involves horseback riding. So a lot of varied gameplay. Uh, Lots of RPG elements leveling up. Uh, So you'll be leveling up in this game using items to renew your hit points. So things like potions, eating food, requiring key items to progress, and talking to villagers and local NPCs or non-playable characters. So there are a lot of RPG elements. This isn't just a kind of hack and slash adventure game. Uh, And the game, to me, just looking at the uh, screenshots, I didn't play this game. I'll be upfront and say that uh, quickly. But looking at the screenshots, this game seems to have a bit of a Willow vibe, also based on a movie, uh, also including many RPG elements and also having varied gameplay. Although with the one-on-one duels and the melee mode, it actually expands it quite significantly. So there are different items here explained in Nintendo Power, uh, provisions and medicine. There's the bandage, the apple, uh, the loaf of bread, leg of meat, So we have a nice big leg of meat. This cures between 10 and 30 hit points. Yellow potion and red potion. Uh, Yellow potion will cure 100 hit points of damage and the red potion uh, will temporarily increase your speed. So some cool items here, uh, weapons and armor. So it wouldn't be an RPG without the ability to find a variety of weapons and use them within your quest. We have the sword, the longbow, the knife, the crossbow, the quarterstaff, Little John's weapon of choice, the druid's dagger, a magical blade, the Loxley bow, the Loxley sword, the ball and chain, and then for armor, we have the leather armor, chain mail, Loxley armor, uh, the best armor in the game, and then we have a disguise. Uh, You'll fit right in with the sheriff's men if you wear this. So there might even be a bit of stealth action in this game, which is pretty cool. 
Overall, the quests you do seem to be fairly independent of each other. Uh, they seem to be random, although, you know, the intro to this section in Nintendo Power said that the story kind of flowed and was very logical. Uh, but these quests, you know, in one, you're disrupting a wedding. In the this other quest, uh, you're seeking out special water to heal your band of followers from a spreading disease within the camp. There's almost like a plague in the camp. Uh, and then all of this, these random quests, they culminate into the storming of the Sheriff's Keep at the end of the game. And it just doesn't feel like a logical progression to me. It feels like you're doing a lot of random quests, one-off quests. It's been a really long time since I've seen this film, so I'm not quite sure what is new in the game or what actually follows the scenes from the original film plot. Uh, but it doesn't feel very cohesive. Uh, so maybe I'll have to rewatch the film and uh, check out this game just to do a full comparison uh, if I can find the time. I'll put that on my my bucket list. I'll do that. Uh, my NES bucket list is to play Robin Hood. So we're going to listen to one more track and then we'll talk about the history and development of this game. So in the last episode of Power Time, I mentioned a game called Day Dreamin' Davy. And I said that it couldn't possibly be that bad because it's by Hale Laboratory. And Hale Laboratory made Kirby. Kirby's one of the greatest games on the NES and the start of a fantastic franchise. Well, it turns out I was wrong about Day Dreamin' Davy. Sculptured Software made Day Dreamin' Davy, and Hale simply published it. Sculptured Software also developed Metal Mech, a Jalico title, and possibly Monopoly on the NES. There's very little definitive information out there about this particular developer. The one thing that I know for sure is that they were eventually acquired by Acclaim in the mid-90s. Virgin Games, on the other hand, the publisher, has a much more known track record. They put out a ton of NES games and plenty before that on various consoles. They put out a bunch of the best Disney games in the 90s and also McDonald's MC Kids, which is kind of a cult classic. Everyone's second favorite fast food related game. I would definitely say the number one fast food related game probably goes to Burger King's Steak King on the Xbox. If you haven't played that yet, it is fantastic. Other than that, there's not much to be said about the history of the game because there's really not much out there. If you're a Robin Hood on NES historian, definitely reach out to me, tom at powertimepodcast.com, and let me share some information that I wasn't able to find. One interesting note is that despite being featured on this month's cover, the game itself didn't release until much later in the year. I wonder if that delay had a big negative impact on sales. I feel like the uh, heat of the movie kind of waned, and I'd be curious to know how the sales of this game actually were. Because this seems to be Nintendo Power's movie, TV, franchise, cash-in issue, it makes sense that this appeared on the cover. The film was released in June of this year, so probably right around the time that this issue hit the shelves. So Robin Hood was definitely a hot topic. It was a box office hit, the second highest grossing film of 1991, and as I discussed earlier, Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams completely dominated the charts pretty heavily at this time, and it even won a Grammy for the best song in a film. 
The movie starred Kevin Costner as Robin Hood and also starred Morgan Freeman, Christian Slater, and Alan Rickman. So this is really weird. It's kind of a personal memory. I have this very distinct memory of watching this movie on VHS while on summer vacation in 1992. I'm assuming it's 1992 because it probably would have been a year before this was released on VHS. And it was in a one-bedroom motel room in Wildwood, New Jersey. If you're on the East Coast, you may know what I'm talking about. We rented this uh, this film from a local mom-and-pop video store. I think it was raining out, so there really wasn't much to do that night on vacation. And I remember sitting in this one bedroom motel room with my sisters and my mom and dad watching this movie. I was a little young at the time, but I definitely remember it and I definitely remember enjoying it. So just a weird aside that I have this like crazy distinct memory. It's funny how you remember, remember certain things. So uh, visually, this is one of those things. As for the game, I have absolutely no memories playing it. I don't even remember seeing it on uh, store shelves on Toys R Us's uh, wall of slips. I just don't recall this game. Uh, so we're just going to move along with the episode. If you have memories playing Robin Hood, if this was one of your favorite games and I'm doing it an injustice, please hit me up on Twitter at Yo Power Time, Y-O Power Time. You can email me, Tom, at PowerTimePodcast.com. I would love to hear your memories and I would love to hear if it's worthwhile to uh, revisit this game. Anyways, I filled your head with enough banter and pointless Robin Hood information. So let's keep this issue rolling and we're going to continue to see what games were featured in volume 26 of Nintendo Power. Our first review after Robin Hood is Rockin' Cats. Do not attempt to adjust your set. Atlas's Rockin' Cats are so cartoon-like, you might expect to see them on Saturday morning TV. For now, though, they're only on the NES, with a five-episode cat and dog chase featuring zany weapons, a built-in channel changer, and three cool bonus stages. This is Rockin' Cats by Atlas. It pretty much averaged out to be a 3.3 in the power meter. It received a 3.3 in three out of the four categories, except for theme and fun, where it received a 3.4. So I said earlier that Rockin' Cats was based on a TV show, but that's actually not true. So in reading this description, it actually looks like this is a fictional TV show uh, where it's, it's its own cartoon. The levels are considered different channels. It's kind of a unique concept. And this concept, as it's described here with the built-in channel changer, it kind of reminds me of a 1992 John Ritter film called Stay Tuned, where John Ritter and his wife in the film get trapped in a TV and they have to survive various television programs that are pretty demonic. It's a really bizarre movie, if you remember this. Uh, I definitely recommend maybe checking it out for the uh, 1990s niche of it. Uh, It's very, very strange. Uh, The game itself looks a lot like a Capcom Disney platformer. Very bright, very airy. Uh, The screenshots here definitely do it justice. Uh, It looks like a game that at this time I would definitely be interested in, something that I would definitely want to play. You control the protagonist, Rockin' Cat Willie, who has a cartoony spring-loaded punch gun. It's kind of like the one that you see in Roger Rabbit. There's your typical actions, jump, punch, spin attack, you can catch and throw items, and then there's there's also a spin-jump move. So some varied actions here. It's not just jump and punch. Uh, there are additional power-up items that you can buy. Looks like you can buy these in a shop. Bombs, hammer punch, jet sneakers, and one-ups. Uh, there are bonus stages here like roulette and basketball. This gives you the chance to win extra one-ups to help you throughout the game. 
This issue offers your typical tips, tricks, uh, maps of each side-scrolling stage. Uh, pretty straightforward platformer. There's channels one through four, so four main stages. And then there's a final stage that is not covered in the issue, uh, channel five, which takes place in New York City. So overall, this looks like a fun game to pick up and play. I'm definitely going to try to locate a copy and play it at some point uh, because like I said, it looks like the classic Capcom games and I'm really into those. uh, So I definitely want to check this out. After that, we have two quick reviews. We have Little Mermaid, which happens to be a Capcom game and Bill and Ted's excellent video game adventure. So once upon a time, Disney produced a movie about a mermaid with a magical voice. Now Ariel is prepared to swim her way into your home in Capcom's new NES game, The Little Mermaid, which contains all of the characters that made the movie so popular. All five stages take place under the sea, where the sea witch controls the creatures and the forces of nature. So this is like a nostalgia-packed episode for me because I actually recall that the first film that I saw in theaters was The Little Mermaid. Uh, And I was so young. And okay, so... I'm going to digress really fast. The first film that I actually saw in theaters was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I begged my father to take me to go see that, uh, and he did. But I do recall seeing The Little Mermaid uh, as uh, a tag-along because that was the film my sister wanted to see. And I was so young, I remember my grandparents were with me, and they took us out of the theater. They took me out of the theater because I was too young to uh, pay attention. Uh, So fun facts. You're learning so much about me in this episode. Uh, So The Little Mermaid, it was developed uh, by Capcom. Uh, Graphics and sound, 3.8. Play control, 3.7. Challenge, 3.7. And theme and fun, 3.7. So some good scores here. Uh, It was published by Capcom alongside all the other Disney franchises that they they worked on. Uh, So that's, you know, DuckTales. Eventually they'll do Darkwing Duck. Uh, They did Chip and Dale. Uh, This one, though, it doesn't, have the same level of fun and playability as the other games, if I remember correctly. So I didn't own this game, but my cousins had a copy, so I did play it a bit. It is Capcom, so it's still a great game. I just don't remember it being as fun uh, as the other titles that Capcom produced on uh, using the Disney franchise, uh, the Disney license. Uh, Because it is Capcom, some of the best people in video game history had their hand in creating this game, in creating The Little Mermaid. Uh, Yasuaki Fujita, again, I'm going to butcher every Japanese name, so I apologize in advance. Uh, That is the composer, and uh, this composer, I believe his nickname was Bun Bun. Uh, He also composed most of the music from Mega Man 3. And Tokoru Fujiwara, uh, who produced this game, was the director of Ghost and Goblins and Bionic Commando. He produced Mega Man 2 and 3. He produced DuckTales and a ton of other things. And he is actually, this is really interesting, he is he's kind of the godfather of Resident Evil uh, because Resident Evil was based on his NES game, Sweet Home, which never made it to the States. Uh, but Resident Evil was originally, it originally began as kind of a remake of Sweet Home. Uh, so this is really, really interesting that the godfather of Resident Evil was the producer of The Little Mermaid. Uh, who would have thought? So with that said, let's hear some music from The Little Mermaid and see if you hear any Mega Man 3 influences in this from Yasuaki Fujita. Thank you. 
All right, so we will not be going under the sea with the next game, but maybe every copy of this game belongs under the sea. I'll let you be the judge of that. I'm talking about Bill and Ted's excellent video game adventure from Acclaim. Uh, it doesn't have the same level of heritage tied to it, uh, the development that is. I'm not sure who developed this game. It says here that Acclaim published it, but it looks like it was published by LGN, actually, if you look at the the box art for this game. And LGN was owned by Acclaim, so I guess that makes sense. Uh, the game got a very generous review in Nintendo Power. Uh, 3.4 graphics and sound, 2.2 play control, not very generous, uh, 2.9 challenge and excitement, but then a 3.6 in theme and fun. So I'm going to read a quick clip of this review here. It says, the story's fun too. You're out to save historical dudes and babes who don't want to be saved. There are some weak spots in the game, however, as the power meter indicates. It isn't easy finding items, which means you spend ages wandering around, and that's frustrating. Luckily, there's a good manual that should help. Control is awkward too, also a minus. Check this one out to see if it's for you. So very, very generous review here and some coverage here. If you look at the screenshots of this game, uh, the game actually looks a bit like Toe Jam and Earl with its isometric layout. So just the way that the camera is angled and the colors, uh, obviously it's not a Genesis game. It's on the NES. Uh, the colors aren't as great as Toe Jam and Earl. Uh, the graphics aren't as great, but just the look and feel and this idea that you're kind of just exploring, looking for items. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of Toe Jam and Earl. So I'm not too sure about this one. I probably will never play it, although Bill and Ted is one of my favorite film franchises. I think they're uh, just absolutely delightful. A very 19, late 80s, early 90s. It just covers that era perfectly in terms of uh, campy cinema. So I'm a big fan of the movies, probably not a big fan of the game. Was Bill and Ted for you? A uh, quick Google search and just glimpsing some of the YouTube reviews out there, it suggests that it probably wasn't your favorite game either. But let me know. You can tweet me at Yo Power Time and email me. All my contact information is in the show notes. Also covered in this episode, I am totally digging this, is the continued pre-release coverage of the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. High-tech games for a high-tech system. I love this tagline. Uh, and here verbatim, uh, with the ability to rotate and zoom in to objects, to manipulate as many as 128 moving characters at once, and to present a real-sounding, fully orchestrated soundtrack, the Super NES is more than just a standard NES with better graphics. It's a whole new kind of game system. And the hype meter is just through the roof. Uh, with each issue of Nintendo Power, as they reveal more and more about the Super Nintendo this article here explains more of the features of the Super Nintendo. We have the mode seven rotation of the camera uh, using F-Zero as a, an example of this. They'll explain what the mode seven rotation is. Uh, F-Zero, of course, is a futuristic racing game. They have screenshots of this, uh, something to get pumped for. Uh, animation, there's kind of a weird pitch here about the animation of the SNES. It's uh, when foreground objects are manipulated, they are redrawn as many as 60 times per second for smooth animation. While that is no different from the standard NES, the effect is quite dazzling as seen in the high-resolution graphics of the new system. Uh, so it's on par with the NES. Uh, I don't know why they had to mention that here, especially after talking about it being uh, better than the NES uh, and a new kind of game system. Uh, but it's coupled with images of Super Mario World, so that makes up for it. Uh, scaling, uh, we have some information here about mode seven scaling. 
Pilot wings is the example here. Objects can grow and shrink to simulate camera views. PGA Golf is also mentioned here. A very TV-like panning of the camera. That's what it says. Uh, so we're promised a TV-like experience. Uh, we're also promised big characters and lots of them. Talk a little bit about how sprite size can be higher. Color layering. So there's screenshots here showcasing the transparent ghosts and objects in the ghost house in Super Mario World. So you have multiple scrolling backgrounds. And then, of course, the sound technology is also featured here. They mention ActRaiser as having an epic soundtrack. So there's also a pullout poster as well. And that features 29 games that are in the works for the Super Nintendo. Now, many of these were already released or in development in Japan for the Super Famicom. But compare this to the Nintendo Switch, which of course was released the same time in the East as the West. Uh, so there weren't games that were already produced and released elsewhere. But we had very few launch titles for that system. Uh, we had very few previews of launch titles for that system. Uh, so times have definitely changed a bit when it comes to console launches. So I'm going to go through the full list because it's quite impressive. Super Mario World, F-Zero, Zelda 3 which of course we'll later know as a link to the past. Pilot Wings, Super Play Action Football, Gradius 3, Super Bases Loaded, Super R-Type, Augusta Golf, Darius, Final Fight, Draken, SimCity, ActRaiser, Super Ghouls and Ghost, Legend of the Mystical Ninja, Jumbo Ozaki's Hole-in-One Golf, Castlevania 4, Populous, UN Squadron, Super Ultra Baseball, Battle Dodgeball, Gajulin, SD The Great Battle, Ultraman, Big Run, and D-Force. We also have Bombootsel, Bomboozle, and Final Fantasy II. That breaks down to five adventure games, eight sports games, 11 action games, two simulation games, two role-playing games, and one puzzle game. So great, great variety with this early lineup of preview titles on the Super Nintendo. This is definitely what I'd expect, uh, given the games that were being released on Sega at this time. They definitely would want to compete with sports games. We have eight sports titles here. Uh, lots of titles here end up being some of the best of the best for the console, uh, even after a fantastic run. So I'm actually hoping to start streaming the Super Nintendo Classic titles on Twitch, uh, I hope to do those on Thursday nights. So I'll be sure to hit a few of these. Uh, some of them are definitely on that list. Uh, the opposite side of this poster is a promo for Metroid 2, which will be released on the Game Boy and just recently got an update on the 3DS. Also covered in this issue, we have a handful of Game Boy games. We have Dick Tracy, Navy Seals, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Altered Space, Blades of Steel, Sneaky Snakes, and Info Genius. The bulk of the coverage is for Roger Rabbit, but I really just want to talk about Info Genius uh, and their productivity pack. I've never heard of this until recently, and it seems pretty innovative for the time. I don't know if there was a market for this type of product, uh, so I don't know how well it's sold. You don't hear about it much, so maybe not that well, but it seems like it was a bit before its time. The Productivity Pack is GameTech's information resource software for the Game Boy. What that means is there's various games that you could purchase, but they're not really games. There's a spell checker and calculator game, uh, which is software that lets you uh, check the spelling of common misspelled words and then access a calculator. There's Frommer's Travel Guide, which condenses a bunch of data for 15 different U.S. cities into a Game Boy cart. So if you're traveling with your Game Boy to a popular city, 
you will have a bunch of information that you could pull about that city, places to visit, hotels, restaurants, uh, shopping, different things like that. There's a language translator for Spanish and French uh, so that you could translate from English to these other languages. Also, if you're traveling with your Game Boy, this was a good tool to have. And then there's a personal organizer game that you could purchase. And this gave you a phone directory, uh, the ability to book appointments. Uh, it had a calendar, uh, world time, so you can compare different time zones, a listing of 800 numbers, a notepad, and a calculator. So you could actually save your data onto the cartridge and have your own personal organizer. So if you're a person who likes to uh, keep your appointments and keep your calendar up to date in your cell phone or pop open your notes app and take a lot of notes in your cell phone, this was kind of the precursor to that. So pretty unique that this existed uh, for the Game Boy. I don't know how many you know middle-aged uh, people who were interested in keeping their phone contacts in a Game Boy game pack existed back in 1991. But if the market was there, I definitely could see this being a decent seller or something that appealed to that audience. Some other NES games that are featured in July of 1991's issue in the now playing section, we have High Speed, which is a pinball title, Legends of the Diamond. This is interesting. This is a game that features real MLB Hall of Famers. So uh, Babe Ruth and of course all the uh, famous names that you will remember from the MLB Hall of Fame. Over Horizon, which is a typical shoot 'em up. Videomation, which is an animation program for the NES. And some games that barely get mentioned. Uh, just side notes here we have Romance of the Three Kingdoms 2 and Rainbow Island. I believe Rainbow Island was Bubble Bobble 2. Didn't really score that well. Uh, wasn't really like Bubble Bobble, so I can understand the disappointment there. Up next, we have previews. We already covered the Super Nintendo previews, but there are a lot of games covered in Packwatch. We have Defenders of Dynatron City. This game actually looks really, really fun. It was developed by Lucasfilm Games, and they have a decent track record. And this is one that I'm looking forward to learning more about and probably booting up uh, if I can find myself a copy and playing this at some point. Konami has a few games being previewed. We have Pirates, Where is Carmen Sandiego, King's Quest V, Contra Force, a.k.a. Contra 3, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Star Trek, and next year, so we're already previewing next year's games, we have Tiny Toons, Monsters in My Pocket, and Bucky O'Hare. Uh, Tiny Toons and Bucky O'Hare are just absolutely awesome games. Uh, so we'll hear more about those. Ninja Gaiden 3 is previewed, looks great. Kung Fu 2 and Hammer and Harry. I have no clue uh, what Hammer and Harry is. Ultima, uh, Warriors of Destiny, Snow Brothers, and just a few more random titles being mentioned here in Packwatch. Uh, we're going to move on to the next segment of Power Time, though, and that is That's So Retro. That's So Retro is my opportunity to pull out all the things that are super Nintendo power in the 90s-ish. We have Howard and Nestor, uh, which is a comic that is no more. Howard and Nestor is replaced by Nestor's Adventures. This is the first uh, introduction to a Howard and Nestor comic without Howard, uh, who has left Nintendo Power as per the last episode. Uh, Nestor's Adventures, interesting comic. Uh, there's a weird image here, though, in the first panel of the comic where Nestor is painting kind of a circle with the X through it uh, over a billboard of a bow tie. So I thought that Howard Phillips left on kind of an amicable terms, right? On amicable terms. But uh, there's some interesting stuff here. Uh, and the first 
actual panel of the, that was the title panel of the comic. The first actual panel shows kind of a person on a horse riding off in the background. And then in the foreground, there's Nestor holding a bow tie and it says, ha, a clip on. I knew he was too good to be real. So they're painting a picture of (laughs) Howard Phillips not really existing, maybe being a figment of Nestor's imagination, which is a little strange. Uh, of course, the bow tie is, is Howard Phillips' uh, iconic look, the red bow tie. The story of the actual comic follows Nestor as he becomes a camp counselor and recounts stealing the red October submarine. Overall, it's okay. Uh, interesting twist or, or turn uh, in the tone of the comic. We'll see how they continue. I, I know eventually they get replaced by other comics as well, so we'll see. Uh, Gameplay counselor profiles. I always like to profile at least one gameplay counselor. These, of course, are the uh, men and women who really help players beat the games. Uh, They share the best tips and tricks and codes and passwords. And uh, we don't really go over classified information and some of the other tips and tricks sections in these episodes uh, because they're not super, super relevant. Uh, but the gameplay counselors were there to answer your phone calls, uh, which racked up a lot of money on your parents' telephone bills, uh, but they were there to really help guide you through the games. And they contribute a lot to these issues behind the scenes. So there's typically four gameplay counselors that are uh, featured in each episode or in each issue of Nintendo Power. And up until this point, I think they've all been men. Uh, I don't think there was a single woman. Maybe there was. Uh, I might have to go back and check. But in this particular issue, uh, there is a woman, Joyce Davis. Uh, So we will be featuring Joyce Davis in this issue. Uh, She became a GPC in February of 1990. Her hobbies include cooking, playing Nintendo games. Uh, Her best NES accomplishment finished The Legend of Zelda in four hours. And her favorite NES game is The Legend of Zelda. So Joyce Davis, uh, we give you a power time salute for your service. Uh, Ken Swatman, Bruce M. White, and Wally Blake are the three other gameplay counselors who are featured. Uh, Player's Pulse, uh, the mailbox theme here is letters from gamers of all ages, especially young, young children and grandparents. So there's some pictures here of uh, newborn babies holding an NES controller, uh, kind of cute. And some stories here about grandparents playing uh, their their favorite NES games when their grandkids go to sleep. Uh, so fun little uh, mailbag here uh, in this issue. Our next segment in Power Time is Are We Having Fun Yet? This is an opportunity for me to just pick out all the odds and ends, the things that I thought were interesting or fun uh, or just generally cool and talk about them before we close out the episode. The Players Poll Contest this month features three trips to Nintendo headquarters that you could win. Uh, and when you are there, you will pick up your very own Super Nintendo. I can't think of anything more exciting uh, than receiving a Super Nintendo on a trip uh, to Redmond, Washington to visit Nintendo headquarters. Uh, so really cool. The celebrity profile here in this issue is Marsha Warfield, who played Roz, the witty and sharp-tongued bailiff from the comedy Night Court. Don't really remember playing, or I don't really recall watching Night Court. Uh, fun fact here, though, in reading this particular profile, it seems like the cast of Night Court were big fans of the Game Boy, playing a lot of Tetris using the Link cable. So that was pretty fun. And then, as we always do, uh, let's cover the top 10 Game Boy and top 10 NES games that are listed in this issue. Game Boy's top 10 we have Super Mario Land, Final Fantasy Legend. 
TMNT, Fall of the Foot Clan, Dr. Mario, Tetris, F1 Race, Gargoyles Quest, Operation C, Castlevania the Adventure, and NBA Challenge. And then the top 10 uh, NES games from the NES Top 30, we have Super Mario 3, TMNT 2, the arcade game, Final Fantasy, Rising Up Again. Uh, We have Mega Man 3, The Simpsons, Bart vs. the Space Mutants, Star Tropics, Dragon Warrior 2, Tetris, Crystallis, and Dr. Mario. Uh, So an interesting top 10 here. Uh, Man, I can't believe Bart vs. the Space Mutants uh, cracked the top 10. What a difficult game. Uh, I really didn't enjoy that game at all. And then concluding this issue, uh, we have a letter from the editor-in-chief, who is Gail Tilden. Now, typically, this final letter to the readers at the end of each issue uh, comes from Howard Phillips. But like I mentioned, uh, last issue was his last issue with Nintendo Power. And they actually mentioned that we'll learn a little bit more about the other people who are behind uh, Nintendo and behind Nintendo Power. Gail Tilden is very, very uh, infamous. Uh, not infamous, uh, very, very prominent in the history of Nintendo. Um, so if you want to check out uh, some really great books, I'll link up some books in the show notes that you can check out to learn more about the history of Nintendo uh, in which you'll learn more about Gail Tilden and her role on the marketing side of Nintendo of America. Uh, here, this letter, they do address kind of the elephant in the room. She writes, uh, we get very excited when we hear about a game being developed based on a hit movie. There is a problem, however, just because a licensee has purchased the rights to make a game based on a movie, it doesn't mean that it has the right to feature the actors who appear in it. So they talk a little bit about why you won't find Kevin Costner uh, on the cover of this issue. They also talk about how uh, Arcadia, who I guess was another developer for the Robin Hood game. Uh, this is the first time they're mentioning Arcadia. Uh, they talk a little bit about how the game was in works before there was even a Warner Brothers movie. So it obtained the rights to make the game only after the game was finished. Uh, so that's why you don't see the likenesses of the characters in the game itself. Uh, they talk a little bit about the Batman issue of uh, Nintendo Power. They were able to use stills from the movie, but they had to get appropriate approval to do so. Uh, Yeah, there's just some interesting insight into how this all works behind the scenes. The average reader probably didn't realize any of this. So up next week, uh, we have a promise of another Super NES preview. I'll take it. We have Ninja Gaiden 3. We have Final Fantasy Legend 2. And we have Mega Man and Dr. Wily's Revenge. So this will be a fun, fun issue. Uh, Man, Mega Man and Dr. Wily's Revenge, not a fan. Uh, And I am a huge fan of Mega Man. Uh, So I'm excited to dig in a little bit deeper on all of these games. And I hope that you will join me. Featured music for this episode, the intro and outro to Power Time is by Azor Flux and it is used with permission. Thank you so much for that. Uh, The rest of the music in this episode was taken from the games themselves. There weren't too many covers for the Robin Hood or Bill and Ted soundtracks out there. Hopefully next episode we'll be able to feature some really fantastic uh, musicians covering game soundtracks, which if you've been a longtime listener of Power Time, you know I really, really like to do that. So that's going to do it for this week. I want to just give a quick shout out to the patrons of Power Time. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, I'm going to be revamping Patreon this month. I've paused it for a bit uh, this month, this upcoming month, uh, but I have some new ideas that I'll be sharing. Uh, Power Time Podcast is also brought to you proudly by listeners like you and your ongoing support by subscribing, listening, and leaving quick and honest reviews on Apple Podcasts or your app of choice. 
If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope that you did, please leave a quick review and let me know what you think. If you are looking for an even easier way to support the show, simply share the show with a friend or a relevant uh, message board, Reddit, wherever you think somebody might enjoy Power Time, definitely do that. I would greatly appreciate it. You can interact with me and the Power Time community through Twitter by tweeting me at YoPowerTime. You can follow me there as well. Hang out in the Discord channel at PowerTimePodcast.com slash Discord. You can chat with me and others using a super lightweight chat client on your mobile phone, or you can log in through the web. I'll be doing my best to stream Super Nintendo games on Thursday nights, probably around 8.30 p.m.-ish Eastern Standard Time. Head on over to PowerTimePodcast.com slash Twitch. And finally, you can sign up for my weekly email newsletters to keep track of all of this and get access to a private Facebook group at powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked. Well, that's going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you for your time and attention. Stay tuned for the next one. And as always, play hard, score high, and be excellent to each other.